Glory to God. He's worthy, isn't he? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles just for a few moments, I want to, uh, to talk to you about the blessing of being in God's kingdom. There's a part of the pattern prayer that we pray called the Lord's Prayer. If you want to get really accurate, the question was asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So the Lord's Prayer is not really technically Jesus' prayer. If you want to find His prayer for us, you have to go to John's Gospel, chapter 17, where Jesus prayed to the Father that He wouldn't take us out of the world, but He would keep us from the evil one. Amen? Hallelujah. But He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. That prayer reaches into eternity and it reaches all the way to the the time when Christ will come. And He will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. And kingdom is the rule and the domain of a king where a king reigns in undisputed authority. And when He comes, He will rule with a rod of iron. I'm not talking about His coming for the church, the rapture. I'm talking about the second coming, not the secret coming. To be biblically accurate, the coming for the church is a secret coming. It's not known to everybody. Uh, It is going to happen uh, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But the coming to rule and to reign, His kingdom actually coming and being enforced and instituted in the earth is the second coming of Jesus. Amen. Actually, there's a coming of Jesus in between all of them. Because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, I will come back to you. It's not the secret coming. It's not the second coming. It's the coming of His kingdom to rule and reign in the believer, in the Christian. I do not believe, I'm going to go on record today, I believe I can biblically support what I say. I better be able to because people are always challenging me on everything I say, and I say a lot. And I wish I could say I never get it wrong. Sometimes I miss it over here a little bit or there. And if you talked as much as me, you'd miss a lot too. Amen. But I want to give you some scripture. I want to tell you there's a coming that is not the secret coming, the rapture, nor the second coming. There is a coming of Christ. And it's not the first coming when he came as a babe to lay in a manger in Bethlehem. There's a coming when he comes to rule and reign in us. He comes to abide within us. I do not believe in salvation without repentance. I don't believe in this free ticket to heaven. Who wants a free ticket to heaven? Get you a free... Don't uh, repent of your sin. Don't expect any change in your life. Stay stay under the rule of Satan and never come under the rule of God. There's a message out there today and it's called hyper-faith. It's a a message that takes you into that realm of... uh, I, I walked the aisle when I was 12 years old. I was baptized in water. And uh, therefore, I can live any way I want to from here on out. 
because it's not of works. No, it isn't of works. And there's no work you can do to qualify you for heaven. But works are evidence of his work in our life. And without those works, without that evidence, I used to love to hear the theme song that came on before a televangelist. And and it said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Can you say, man, we're not saved by any work that we can do. But the Bible said we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the next verse says, but after that occurs, we are created unto good works. And men would see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. There's a change and it's not sinless perfection. But there's a new ruler of our life. There's a new reign in us, praise God. I don't believe in receiving Jesus as our Savior and not as our Sovereign. I don't believe in receiving Christ as your Savior and not bowing to Him as your Lord. Now, I have problems with my weak flesh. I don't have a problem with His Lordship in my life. I have a problem obeying, not because I'm disobedient in my spirit, but because when he says, love your enemy, it's tough. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. You have to crucify the flesh to to obey God. And sometimes the flesh... Gets in the way of what we want in our spirit. Remember what he told Peter when Peter fell asleep? When he asked him, and I'm so glad that the God incarnate, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ. I'm so glad he asked Peter to pray with him and for him while he was in the garden. Because he didn't use his deity He used what we all have access to, to go through what he was about to face. If he'd used his deity, we could not possibly believe that there would be grace for us. Jesus asking Peter to pray for him. And of all the disciples that he could ask to pray for him. Amen. (laughs) It's vacillating, impetuous Peter that he knew had real issues with his flesh. Amen. And yet he said, Peter, I want you to stay here and pray, and I'm going a little further into the garden. By the way, the garden he was in, when I hear the word garden, I immediately think of a a beautiful rose garden, a beautiful flower garden. Uh, my, my son has a 4K TV, and he's got a 4K uh, video that shows an English garden. I wish Ruth was here. Remember Ruth. We're going to pray for her and continue to pray for her and her friend Vicki that needs prayer today. Amen. She's with us in spirit. I know that. And she prays for us. But she's from England, and this this. This English garden, somewhere near London, this house with this English garden, it's so beautiful. And you think of Jesus going into this beautiful garden. Gethsemane was where there was olive. It was a garden, all right, of olive. They grew olive olive tree garden. And an olive press was there. There was no modern machinery, but in Gethsemane, 
there were the, it, a huge stone. Picture a huge stone flattened out, flattened out stone with a groove in it. And the olives were stacked on that stone. And through a pulley system, a large stone, so heavy it would squash the olives flat, was lowered. They called it an olive press. And it would squash them flat. And the oil from the olives would run that groove and pour out. And that was the garden Jesus went to pray before he went to the cross. And here's what Jesus said of that experience. If you think it was a piece of cake, it was tiptoeing through the tulips that he used his deity. No, he did it all with what's available to you and me. He laid aside his deity in order to set an example and show us what is possible. And he asked for prayer. Isn't that incredible that the God of the universe, when he took on flesh like we have, when he took on flesh, when he took on flesh, he felt every weakness, every pressure, every pain that you and I could possibly experience. That's why the Bible said we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. But he's been where you are. He's experienced what I experience. That's why when you're tempted, go to Jesus. Amen. He experienced temptation. He was hungry when he was in the wilderness, when Satan tempted him to take stones and turn them into bread, to use his deity instead of following through with his fast. And he refused to do it. He did not sin, but he understands the pull. He understands the weakness of our flesh. He understands the propensity to sin that we have. Amen. Therefore, the Bible said because we have a high priest that that we don't have a high priest that's passed into the heavens, this high priest that intercedes in our behalf because he understands us. The Bible said that he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Therefore, because he understands you and he understands me and he understands not just that we need forgiveness, but he understands why we sin. He understands when the flesh wins one of those days. I encourage people, if you've lost a battle with the flesh, let that be an incentive to crucify it, to reckon it to be dead, to put it on the cross where it's supposed to be. Amen. It will rise up again, by the way. You can't just do that one time. Amen. There used to be a doctrine and probably still around in certain Pentecostal circles that you get saved and you get sanctified. And once you get sanctified, you don't have a sin issue anymore when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you've got any bread and mustard and maybe a pickle and a, and, a, and a tomato, bring it because you already have the bologna, right? That's just not... That's, that's not going to work. It just not, how many know it's not going to work? I was so in awe of the, the church that I came to pastor because of Sister Pearl White. 
She fasted. She prayed. She read the scripture. She lived the life. Amen. She, and I'm not saying anything except commendable things. She was a, an example of a, of a godly, virtuous woman. And, and I was in awe. I, I just thought, man, I wish I could live to that standard. I just want to live to... But, you know, she told me in, in a moment of honesty, and it's good to get honest sometimes. She said, you know, we've got to control our flesh, Brother Venable. We've we got to put it on the cross. If we don't, it'll do things that we don't want it to do. <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am. But I didn't know where she was going because I thought if anybody had the flesh under control, it was her. She said, I had a neighbor. I had the worst neighbor. The devil must have been in that woman and sent that woman to bother me. I had a neighbor that, John, i got to come back here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. She said she got on my nerves so bad and I would pray. See, this is a lady that said she wouldn't go to bed until she prayed in tongues for 30 minutes. I mean, this was a woman with a prayer life. And, but the flesh is the flesh is the flesh. Whether you talk in tongues, whether you're Holy Ghost filled, everybody has to deal with the flesh. And she said that woman came to the fence over something that the woman called and began to call me every name in the book. And she said, I found myself walking over to the fence and standing right there. Faced, I, you know how you find yourself. <laughs> I walked over to the fence and I standing face to face with her. And she said, Brother Venable, she said, I, I hate to admit this, but I slapped her upside the head. <laughs> I said, you didn't. She said, yes, I did. I said, you didn't. She said, yes, I did. I said, no, you didn't. She said, yes, I did. And my image of someone so sanctified that they didn't have to deal with that weak flesh was shattered. I'm not advocating you go slap nobody upside the head, okay? And blame it on your weak flesh. I'm saying you have to deal with it. You and I have to deal with it. She said, I immediately apologized. I don't know if it helped, but she said, I apologized. Amen. She said, I asked God to forgive me. I asked the woman to forgive me. And she said, most of all, I was disappointed in myself. She said, Brother Venable, that's not me. That's not who I am, especially now that I've become a Christian. How many were lost before you got saved? How many wouldn't have thought anything of doing something like that before you got saved? But how many know when you get saved, the change comes? Hallelujah. Peter was so willing, but his spirit, you see, when the spirit is weak, you can't control the flesh. That's why he gives might, increases strength in our spirit first. So that we can then begin to control our weak flesh. But he does it with understanding. He understands the weakness of flesh because he felt the pull of temptation. And he felt it, the pain and pressure of going through things in Gethsemane. Because Jesus said, 
And you've seen these preachers prancing around in their Armani suits with their Rolex watches and their, their, their Bentleys. Talking like you never have a bad day. You never go through any pressure. Jesus had to deal with the pain and pressure of living in this fallen world. And before the cross, he had a faulty body. Because at Jacob's well, he got tired. He got weary. He got so weary, he couldn't travel any further and sit down in the shade of Jacob's well and sent the disciple. Have you ever been bone tired? If you want to, have you ever heard the term dog tired? My dog is nine years old. Now I know where that came from. <laughs> when he gets tired, he, he don't want to walk. He don't want to chase no cat. He wants to flop down. And don't bother him either when he's, he does not want to play. Jesus was tired. Jesus was weary. In the wilderness, he was hungered. And in Gethsemane, everybody say the olive press. The olive press. Listen to what he said and you'll see why Gethsemane was such a place that he chose to pray knowing what he was about to face. He said My, his soul was sorrowful even unto death. His soul was sorrowful. And he had asked for someone to pray with him and for him. And when he said, if there's any other way, Abba, and he began to talk to God in intimate terms like a child would under that kind of pressure, in one of the Gospels, he prefaced Father with Abba. Abba, Father, if there be any other way, any other way to save you and to save me, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, see, there's where the flesh is brought under control. Nevertheless, not what I will. Because when you surrender your will to God, there's going to be a contrary will, and that's the will of your flesh. The flesh doesn't want to forgive people that don't deserve forgiveness just doesn't I told you when I had a stroke what I prayed in the floor because I thought the next few moments I would be in the presence of God I had a family member that I was so sure I had forgiven because I had prayed out loud called them by name and said Lord I forgive them but you know your flesh will play possum You know what playing possum is? I, I've seen it because we got possums in our neighborhood. They've built it up, and, uh, and there's no place for them. You see them on the fence coming out at night. They're nocturnal. And my dog is a possum-catching dog. If you love to eat possum, you'd never go hungry if you had my dog. Amen. Because my dog will catch them. And, and you know what they do? Big old possum, he grab that possum and shake him. And the possum, you got him. I'm dead. You don't have to kill me. Right? That's where the term came from. I'm dead. You don't have to kill me. <laughs> and you know what? There's a lot of religious people on Sunday morning saying, I'm dead. I'm dead to sin. I remember a guy came to our, to our church. He was an evangelist. He came to our church and he was powerful. He said, listen, 
I have sold out. God wants you to sell out. God wants you to crucify the flesh, take up your cross and follow him. And I am sold out. He said, I am so sold out. When I shake hands, I can't tell if it's a man or a woman. I can't, you know, I can't distinguish. There's no feeling in that area at all. I'm sold out. And I thought, I don't know if you're that sold out. <laughs> Amen. I just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I can tell. <laughs> I can still tell. Can you tell? I can tell. Women's hands are generally softer. Unless you use hand lotion like him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, a, I'm only kidding. I just wanted to, I wanted to see him smile today. Hallelujah. I use hand lotion sometimes too. He became a pastor for three months. They had lost a pastor. He took the church. And of course he's dead. You know how dead he said he was? He said, I am so dead. He said it to, the, to the world and dead to self and dead to Satan and dead to sin. He said, go down to a funeral home. Find a corpse out back. He said, go down there and take a pen and stick it in his index finger. You will not get a reaction. He said, take a pen, stick it in his big toe. And he will not flinch because he's dead. So this dead man became a pastor. And a bunch of people didn't like what he preached. And, and about four men cornered him in the office. And they were going to have it out with him. And he said, you know, he gave up the pastor. First, I'll tell you, he, he resigned and went back on the evangelistic field so he could run after he preaches. And... Uh, <laughs> You know you don't stay there and deal with anybody. You lay it out and you take off. And he said, he said, Brother Venable, he said, when they walked in the room, I could just feel that they were going to nail me. He wasn't talking about physic physically. He was talking about the emotions and the anger and the, all the stuff that was getting in now. And he said, a thought came to me. He said, I was sitting behind, he's a big guy. He said, I was sitting behind my desk and a thought came to me. A thought came to me. He said, the first one in the door said, get up and knock him out and the rest will flee. Everybody say flesh. How many know that didn't come from the Holy Spirit? He must have watched a Bruce Lee movie, amen, or something where you take out the big guy and the rest say, boy, if he took him out, there ain't no point in us messing with him. Well, the one he needed to take out was the devil. The problem is handling the devil involves dealing with our weak flesh. Let no man say, James said, when he's tempted, that he's tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, without exception, is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. Something in us is already there for Satan to appeal to. And lust, when it's conceived, if it isn't nipped in the bud, when we feel the pull, that's the time. Don't go, everybody say, don't go over to the fence. Don't go over to the fence. <laughs> hey, 
Is that, a, is that okay to say? When you feel that angry, do not confront anyone. Go pray. Because the devil is baiting you. He's baiting you. He's baiting you. A young woman going to college this past week, not hitting a man, but trying to merge into the freeway. She wouldn't let him in. He wouldn't let her in. They're side by side. You know what the man does? A young woman of color. Could be my wife. Could be anybody. Just trying to merge. And Well, you're going to let me in or should I let you in? And sometimes it's just a, you just don't know who has the right of way. And you're waiting for someone to give. You're not really trying to provoke. Somebody in road rage takes a pistol. And shoots her in the head and kills her dead. Wouldn't it be easier just to touch the brake and let somebody go? Even if you've got the right of way, wouldn't it be easier just to touch the brake and let them go? Now a young woman is dead. And somebody in three states, there's an all-out search. They're saying, turn yourself in because we're going to find you. We're going to get you, and they ought to get them. Justice should be served, but it won't bring back this young woman. And it won't cause whoever did that's life uh, to be unchanged by this event. Not just because of conscience, but consequences of that action. Road rage is real. People are carrying weapons. And two or three months ago, near Plant City, uh, a guy pulled out in front of another guy. And anyway, the guy got out of his car, walked back to the other car, and the guy in the other car had a weapon, and he tried to get in the door while cursing the guy. By the way, he had just served several years for beating up a guy in a road rage incident, but he picked the wrong guy this time. And there's a guy back here, too, and he has a weapon. He's trying to open the door and jerk the guy out, and the guy shoots him dead in the middle of 574 near Plant City. And no charges filed. Wouldn't it have been better just to take a deep breath and let it go? Let it go. But the flesh don't want to let it go. The flesh wants vengeance. The flesh wants what it wants. And everybody has to deal with it. Everybody has to deal with it. That's why the Bible said, let not sin reign in your mortal body to fulfill it in the lust thereof. For lust, when it's conceived, bringeth forth sin. And sin bringeth forth when it's finished. When it's finished, bringeth forth death. It still pays that dividend. The soul that sins shall surely die. Listen carefully. This is so important. Jesus understands. Because in the garden he asked for prayer. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he wasn't like the superheroes of today. Superman. Stronger than a locomotive. More powerful than a locomotive. Faster than a speeding bullet. Amen. You ever see the old Superman? I used to stand in awe of the old black and white television in Superman. Clark Kent, but what was the guy's name? Reeves, yeah. 
Yeah, he, he was Superman. He had on his Superman suit and his cape. And the bad guy's got a thirty-eight, And he empties it on Superman. And Superman stands like this. With his chest out, and he empties a thirty-eight, and you hear you hear the ricochet. Pew, 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 pew. Every bullet out of a thirty-eight ricochets off of him. And boy, that crook is frustrated. So you know what he does? He's out of bullets, and they bounce off of Superman. Superman's standing like this. He throws the gun at him. And guess what Superman does? He ducks. <laughs> and even as a child, I'm thinking. You don't have to duck, man. <laughs> you just got shot six times with a thirty-eight, and it bounced off of you. But he threw the gun at you, and you duck. Give me that cape. Let me show you how to use this thing. Someone said the other day, I partially agree with. I like how it sounds. He said, when you, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, said the Holy, the Holy Ghost is to you. Like a phone book, I mean a phone booth. Remember phone booths before all the stuff? He said the Holy Ghost is to the believer like a phone booth is to Superman. What did he do in the phone booth? He'd jump in there, put on his Superman suit, and come out the man of steel. Let me tell you something. You have power. You have power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But it's not just power to do exploits power the charismata the gifts of the spirit it's power to help you deal with your own weak flesh before it's power to do it's power to be and you will receive power oh hallelujah i got the power After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I got authority on top of that power. I got power over all the power of the devil. I have authority as a believer. That doesn't change your need and my need to deal with our own weak flesh. Satan fears the anointing on you. But he knows your flesh is still weak. The Spirit. Isn't it wonderful how how Jesus understood Peter he came back and found him asleep when he woke him up Peter was just so ashamed he was so ashamed of himself he was so ashamed of himself Peter Jesus shook him and said couldn't you he didn't he didn't commend him for anything he didn't look over the fact that he was lazy and didn't understand the importance of intercession but when he woke him up Peter looked at him like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. He didn't say a word, but you, could, you know the shame he must have felt. Because Jesus asked him directly, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Just one hour is all I asked when I needed it the most. Couldn't you watch with me one hour? But then Jesus told him something. He didn't want to break his spirit. He just wanted to show him what was wrong, what was right, and encourage him in the right. In that suite of Jesus, he said, the Spirit is indeed willing. In other words, when you said, I'll do it, Lord, you can count on me. You meant it in your heart. But carrying it out because of your weak flesh was another thing. I love that understanding. I lo- that doesn't excuse our sin, but it says it makes me want to run to Jesus instead of run from him if I miss it anywhere. Can you say amen? 
Hallelujah. It draws me into a God who understands me like no one understands me. Hallelujah. To receive His correction, repent of my sin, ask Him for the help I need to overcome. The Spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, let's go to church, get into religious rituals, and try to strengthen our weak flesh. No, no. He says you can't strengthen that element of your life. You must crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. And therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body to fulfill it in the lust thereof. And the reason you don't let sin reign is because you let Him reign. When Jesus is Lord, you don't go to the fence. Because you know, after a while, you get aware of Satan's devices. You recognize your weaknesses, and you, you know, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't watch this particular program. It's going to stimulate something in me that that is going to lead me in a direction I know is displeasing to God. And I love the Lord. And my flesh is weak. So I have to make choices about that. By the way, you you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall do. Most people think of that initially. No, and you shall be. It's power to be first before power to do anything. We want the Holy Ghost so we can talk in tongues and be part of the clique and the crowd who are spiritual. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul said, I talk in tongues more than any of you. But when someone unlearned comes in that needs to hear the gospel, I'm not just going to be sitting here edifying myself in tongues, interrupting the message that could save their soul for my own personal gratification. Amen? So that people will view me as spiritual. See, power to be comes before power to do. Though I have faith to remove mountains, I want to have mountain-moving faith. Well, God calls you to be something, so you won't just want to see mountains moved so people will acknowledge your great faith. You'll want to see mountains moved out of the way so people can come to Christ. Mountains of sickness moved so people can be healed. It's all about the edifying of the body, not the exalting of the flesh. And therefore, without love, your tongues become, and mine, legitimate tongues. Paul never questioned the legitimacy of their tongues. He questioned the maturity of their character. Because without divine love, which leads us to selflessness instead of selfishness. Two people begin to prophesy at one time. One of them is supposed to have the grace and the selflessness to back up and let the other go. Rather than having dueling dueling messages and messengers. Amen? Without developing in character it would be like all of this power it'd be like giving a d8 bulldozer that's one that can push this house down to a 10 year old what do you think he would do you think he would do anything constructive with that oh would you say lord help us 
That 10-year-old boy is on that big bulldozer in my neighborhood coming down the street. He don't know how to drive. He don't understand the power that's at his disposal. If he hits the wrong thing and that thing turns around and heads toward my house, he can push my house down. See, power cannot be entrusted to be used properly to an immature Christian. The problem is when people get a little bit of power, they equate it with maturity. They think they're mature because they had a vision. They had a dream. They speak in tongues. They interpreted a a, a message that that equates to maturity. That has nothing to do with maturity. It's a gift of the Holy Ghost. Where does maturity come from? Desire all of these gifts so you can be spiritual. No, desire the sincere milk of of the word that ye may grow thereby that you be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men I looked up that word slight of men it's the word cubus and it was used in that day for those little cubes with the dots on them dice and they were loaded So they would always roll a certain way. So someone would defraud you, uh, gambling with you and defraud you. The slight of men whereby they lay in wait to deceive. Amen. Oh, we need discernment. We've got Christians that talk in tongues, interpret messages following Christian leaders that are not following Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Come on, that's happening today. In the last days, many false prophets shall go out into the earth, and they shall deceive many. And if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. But if you get in the Word of God and get the Word of God in you, you might not know what's wrong, but you'll know something's wrong. You may have to go to your Bible and read and pray to find out what it is. But there's just something off. There's something that doesn't resonate. There's something that doesn't ring true. Oh, you don't have to be a theologian. It's like a little red flag comes up and said, Hey, check this out. Don't just blindly follow. Because if the blind follow the blind, they all end up in the error and in the ditch. This is a day of deception. And this is a day when we need discernment. And therefore we need the Word, not even just the milk anymore, but the strong meat of the Word. How many know milk is for infants? Thank God for the milk. That's what you start desiring. Hallelujah. When you got saved, you wanted to hear the Word. Before you got saved, you wanted to get out of there as quick as you could. I know because I, it changed when I got saved. But as you hear the word, the word begins to grow you spiritually. Hallelujah. And strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, who by reason of the exercise of their senses are able to discern good and evil. Not just in other people, darling, but in yourself. You know what Paul said about his flesh? With all of his religious and all of his spiritual credentials. He said, in my flesh, in my flesh, caught up to third heaven, saw heaven. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. People healed under his ministry. 
revelation from God that he wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament? You know what he said about his flesh? You know what he said with all of this spirituality? He said, in my flesh there is no good thing. Nothing. Do never equate that kind of spirituality with spiritual maturity. As he grew, he understood himself better, not just others. So many people see your faults and mine, and we got them. We have this treasure in what kind of vessel? An earthen vessel. We are cast down. Mark it down. Nobody here lives on a mountaintop 24-7, 365 days a year. We, corporately, collectively, there's times when circumstances cast us down. We are cast down. I'm glad he included himself. We are cast down. But we are not forsaken. I love that about God. God says, when you have a bad day and you're not standing in faith like you should, I don't run away and push you away and hold you at arm's length. I come near. We're not forsaken. I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know how important this is today. Cast down but not forsaken. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to know that God don't draw back? He draws near when we're cast down. Are we supposed to be cast down? No, we're supposed to be more than conquerors. But do we always live in that place? No, we do not. That's why David said, Soul, why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for he shall yet be the health of thy counsel. He was cast down, but he knew he was not forsaken. Can you say that? We are cast down. How many will agree with me? Those times will come, but thank God, God did not forsake us. Oh, I hate the idea if you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. If you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Honey, I'm not competing with the big dogs. But I know what happens when I'm on the porch. I know what happens when I'm under the porch. Can you say amen? I am not forsaken. I am not forsaken. I am not forsaken because he said I'll never, no, never, 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 never. That's in the Greek. Oh, I'll never, no, never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. Run to God. Don't run from him. Don't disqualify yourself from his help. Don't say my faith is no longer sufficient or I wouldn't be cast down. You can be cast down in your emotions, but stand up in your spirit. And pretty soon your emotions will follow suit. Do you understand you can have faith in your heart and feel like you've been jerked through a knot hole backwards? Timothy preached the truth of God. They had laid hands on him. He was a genuine, qualified, God-sent, God-anointed preacher. And people left the truth and followed some phony. And he just went into despair. And he just cast down. He's got the gifts of the Spirit. He's got faith in his Spirit. But his Spirit 
His flesh is now dominating. His emotions are superseding all of that. And all of those spiritual gifts are laying dormant within him. And Paul writes him a letter and said, Timothy, first thing he tells him, this man is so cast down, he's given up preaching. What is the first thing Paul tells him? You got faith. You got faith. Where faith originates and faith resides. You let me can oh I got so much to tell you. And so little time. So many sermons and so little time. Listen to me carefully. You got faith, Timothy. You have faith. You're not using that faith because of your weak flesh and your weak natural emotions. You're letting them override and overrule. But you have faith. You don't need more faith. You need to be using the faith that you have. Everybody thinks they need more faith instead of need to use the faith you got. They underestimate the faith that they have. The disciples said, Lord, strengthen our faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, and you say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the midst of the sea and This is not a blank check. This is enforcing the kingdom and the will of God in the earth. If it's in the way of God's will, you can tell it to move. And it don't take a mountain of faith to move a mountain. Everybody say it don't take a mountain of faith to move a mountain. I love that German preacher down in Africa that said one time, one time a mountain got in fight with a mustard seed. And the mustard seed walked out on the battlefield. And the mountain walked out on the battlefield. And everyone, if they were a betting person, put their money on the mountain to win. Can you say amen? Everybody thought, the mountain has this. How could a mustard seed move a mountain? But when they came together in battle, the mustard seed moved the mountain. And Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say to that mountain... Be thou removed and cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt that what you say shall come to pass, hallelujah, you will have what you say. Because if it's in God's will and it's in the way of His will, if we ask anything according to His will, we know He hears us. Wow. So, Timothy, you have faith. Now, look at his emotional man, his physical man, his, his carnal man, his flesh. Timothy, you have faith. The devil's saying you don't have it because he don't want you to use it. He don't want you to use the faith that you have. So, the issue isn't getting more faith in you, it's getting to use what you got. What's the song say? You, just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot, but you've got to use every bit you got. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. Can you say, man? Oh, have you ever heard the term, a little goes a long way? 
Can you say amen? When the little is pure, trust in God. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said you got faith because you had a grandmama and a mama that were women of faith. Now see, faith didn't come through his genealogy as far as his genes. It wasn't something he inherited. If those women had faith, they got it somewhere. They got it from where it comes from. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. When I was going through nervous exhaustion, I couldn't feel God. I couldn't sense God. I prayed and it did seem like heaven was brass. I knew better, but I couldn't help what I was feeling. It felt that way. I went over to the church in Sulphur Springs. I went in and shut the doors by myself. I opened my Bible to the book of Psalms. I didn't get at my desk and meditate the Word. I read it out loud. I don't know if you understand this or not, but your spirit hears what you're saying. And those words of life from the Word of God spoken, spoken out loud. God is our refuge. God is our strength. Psalm 46 says, A very present. Oh yeah, it feels like He's abandoned me. He feels like He's forsaken me. It feels like heaven is brass. But God is still my refuge. God is my strength. Therefore will I not fear though the mountains be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. For Thou, O Lord, had been a refuge for me, a mighty tower from my enemy. And the more I read the Psalms out loud and ascribed to God the truth about God, the more my spirit began to feel faith rise up. That little bit of faith that I wasn't using. Hallelujah. Mixing it with the Word. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Wow. Timothy, your grandmama, your mama, Lois and Eunice, had faith, and I know it's in you. Because you were in a house where the Word of God was. And you heard it and it's in you. Stir up the gift. See, you stir the gifts of ministry imparted by the laying on of hands. By faith. Every gift is operated by faith. You say, I can't, I've never got the gift of tongues. I've never been filled with the Spirit. Listen, most people have been filled with the Spirit. They don't have the faith that they got the Spirit, so they're not going to open their mouth so the Spirit can speak through them. You can't talk in tongues without your mouth being open. In fact, you can't talk at all without your mouth. <laughs> you say, Brother Venable, I saw a vent- ventriloquist. No, they, their mouth was open. I guarantee you put duct tape over their mouth. They can't be a ventriloquist no more. You just can't see their lips moving. They learn to talk through their teeth without their lips moving. But they do it better than me. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Oh, there's so many people out on tangents. There's so many people that are satisfied where they are. There's so many people that see every discrepancy in everybody else. And the moment you start looking at that, you have an unhealthy self-watch. And that's why preachers fail and preachers fall. Highly anointed, highly biblically educated, but spiritually not alert to a healthy introspective self-watch. David no longer trusted himself because of the power to slay giants. Because his own flesh conquered him when it came to sexual lust and made him an adulterer and a murderer before it was over. And he said, I don't want to ever fall into that trap again. Because he watched, everybody say, don't go to the fence. If you live near Lake Como. Does anyone know what Lake Como is? It's not where you go to fish. It's where you go to go naked. It's a nudist camp. Everybody say naked. N-E-K-K-E-D. Paradise Lakes. See, we, <laughs> y'all know where it's at. <laughs> look at that. Oh, man, that's, that's where everybody's going naked. Ain't that awful? Just look at that. Just look at that. Anyway, stay away from the fence, right? Stay away from the fence. Stay away from the fence. David watched a young woman bathing. It wasn't her fault. She has a right to bathe in privacy without somebody ogling her. Don't blame the woman. David was a king. He could have. But there's something about forbidden fruit, isn't there? There's something about it. I have eaten watermelons all my life. Not as much now because they're just not the same. They're bringing out a new hybrid watermelon that they used to grow. Georgia Cannonball and Georgia Rattlesnake blended. And they're trying to bring back that hybrid again because it was some kind of watermelon. Boy, oh boy, was it good. And I've eaten those things, man, when I was growing up. But I have never ate a cold watermelon in ice that start to open it and it just pops right open. Never eaten a watermelon as good as the watermelons we stole from old man McCraney's field. When I was 13 years old, Long, long about 10.30 to 12, somewhere between 10.30 and midnight, we'd grab us a watermelon from old man. Oh, it was always old man McCraney, and he was way younger than me. But when you're 13, he's old man. <laughs> we'd grab that watermelon, just one, and he'd never miss it. You know, it's not something I, you know, had to do a whole lot about when I got saved. I didn't go pay him for a watermelon he was dead and gone but anyway i asked the lord forgive me everything and i'm sure that included that watermelon there's a lot bigger stuff on the list but anyway we we would open that watermelon and grab in with our hands a handful with a little flashlight in the dark and eat that and it's running down there and i'm gonna tell you there's a scripture in proverbs that says stolen waters are sweet Amen. Those are the sweetest watermelons I ever ate. And I thought, you know, my flesh is being gratified 
there's something about the adrenaline of getting caught and then eating the fruit of your labors. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. But let me tell you how this really really works your flesh and mine there's something tantalizing about everything that's forbidden that's why the forbidden fruit was so tantalizing to adam and eve that satan had an easy job because they were tantalized by that that they were forbidden there's something about it when god says you can't do that there's something about it tell your child don't ever open the cupboard there don't ever open that door. And you have just set them on a course when your back is turned. Can you say, man, there's no doubt about it. i got to see what's behind that door. The Spirit is willing. Isn't that crucial to the grace that we need from God that He understands that about us? And by, by the way, if He sees the willingness of your Spirit... He'll give you grace and mercy and strength to deal with the weakness of the flesh. And Peter didn't just fall asleep in prayer. But when push come to shove, he denied him. And then he swore with an oath. And I'm not talking about using a four-letter word. For he swore before God. That he never knew Jesus. And it hit him like a ton of bricks. His spirit was still willing. Because just previously in the upper room, he said, they might forsake you. I'm not so sure about them, but you can count on me. And it hit him like a ton of bricks. And he went out and wept bitterly. And he went fishing. He didn't feel worthy to be in Jesus' presence. He didn't feel worthy of God's love. He didn't feel worthy of being a minister. He just went out fishing. By the way, he knew Jesus was alive because... When Mary came to tell the disciples, she gave them this message. One of those disciples, they were all hiding. But one had publicly, purposely denied Jesus openly. One was hurting more than any of the rest of them because of that. And you know what Mary said? What the angel told Mary to say to all of them? Go tell the disciples... Go tell the disciples. And Peter. And Peter. Why single out Peter? He's just one of the disciples. Why single him out? He's the one that's hurting. He's the one that's in danger of giving up. He's the one that's in danger of disqualifying himself from the grace that God wants to give him. The mercy that God wants to flow. He's the one that the devil is convincing. You're no good. You will never be a servant of God. You See, he convinced Judas to kill himself. With the same lie. And seal his doom. Listen to me carefully. Go tell the disciples and Peter. That I'm alive. You see if Jesus is alive. There's still time. To ask for forgiveness. 
but he feels still disqualified. He don't know how Jesus feels about him. He just knows he's alive. If, if, I, if I ever meet him or see him, I can ask him to forgive me. And, and, and they've fished all night. They've caught nothing. They're coming in. They're dead, tired, and hungry. And I love this about Jesus after the resurrection. There's a man standing on the bank. He's got a fire going. And you can smell fish cooking. And they get closer and they say, Jesus, cooking fish for them. Wow! What a Savior! What a Sovereign! What a God that we serve. He doesn't look over my sin. In fact, He chastens me as a son if I don't repent of it. But why not repent of it? He loves you. He understands you. He accepts you. He's there to help you. He wants the devil to lose that battle. He wants you to reign in life by Him and to never let sin reign in your mortal body. Let His rule, His kingdom come in you and in me. Peter timidly walks up to where Jesus is serving fish. And before Peter can say a word, Jesus said, do you love me more than these? He's not talking to him about what happened. He sees in his heart, when he wept bitterly, repentance was occurring. And once that's occurred, God said, that's done. Now let's go on. Let's don't look back anymore. Let's go on. Let's go forward. Oh, church wants to make it hard. Some Christians want to make it hard. Some people would not forgive you, although God said that He would and did. They'll hold that against you. We never listen. You better drop those stones. How about it? everybody? Better drop the, whatever stone you got to throw. Put it down, please. They that live in glass houses should never throw stones. Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, yea, Lord. You see, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of grace stimulates a deep devotion, not just a mere emotion. It was his emotional commitment in the upper room. You're in that beautiful, warm, fuzzy setting. I'll never forsake you. But out in the real world, in those streets, fearful for his own life, seeing a man die like he saw Jesus die with such suffering, he didn't want to be associated and he failed. But he's being loved by God who's stimulating love in return. Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord. He said, then feed my sheep. Get back. Get up. Dust yourself off. And go be the minister that I've called you to be. Don't look back. Go forward. And do it because you love me. Not because you are ashamed or you fear me and dread me. But because you love me. Can you say man? Peter, do you love me more than these? Yea, Lord, I do. Then go feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? He denied him thrice, but he's making a threefold devoted commitment. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Peter, do you love me more than these? 
Yea, Lord, you know all things. You're looking past anything I say right into my heart. And I can tell you from my heart, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Then go and feed my lambs and feed my sheep. And Peter, oh, you know what I heard in Pentecost? Peter became the great preacher he was when he got baptized of the Spirit. No, Peter became the great preacher he was when he fell in love with Jesus. Oh, come! somebody give God a hand clap. I know a lot of people got the Holy Ghost that have been failing God. I know a lot of tongue-talking people that are not taking up their cross and crucifying the flesh. But I don't know anybody that's in love with Jesus that isn't committed to following Him. We may struggle with our weak flesh, but our spirit is indeed willing. How many got that willing spirit today? Oh, hallelujah. How many know your flesh will always stay weak? You can't trust it. Don't go to the fence. Hallelujah. But go on with God. Go forward with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the last day and God is pouring out His Spirit on everybody. I don't mean the baptism. I'm talking about the Spirit of God is active in this fallen world like never before. The revival in China is like no revival that anyone has ever seen in its magnitude. 20,000 a day coming to Jesus in Marxist, communist China with the church suppressed and persecuted and the Holy Ghost don't care about none of that. He's saving anyway. Where sin doth abound, His grace, what? Superabounds, hyperabounds. Glory to God. But your flesh is weak. So we have to be open And honest with God. Confess your faults to one another. Everybody needs a confidant. Somebody you can be real with. Who won't judge you. Somebody you can be honest with. We encourage pastors to get together. And open up to one another. And if you went through a temptation... Confess it to someone who won't put it on the 6 o'clock news. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And someone that will earnestly pray for you. Jimmy swaggered before he fell into sin. He said, I had, this is his testimony, I had godly men around me that I could have went to and confessed my weakness to, that I was, had this battle. But he said, I didn't. Because I was Jimmy Swagger. And the reason God couldn't help him at that point is because God resists the proud. And the grace necessary to overcome, He gives to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you in due season. Humility allows you to repent, to confess, to quit trying to be a big shot. You've got God loving you. You don't have to show off. You've got God saving you. You've got God's commitment to you. You don't. It's not what people think of you anymore. The flesh wants to be exalted and applauded all the time. Amen? 
I need amens. That's why I say amen. I'm looking for you to say amen because I like amens. And somebody just said it again. Bring it on. <laughs> Hallelujah. But ultimately, ultimately, I'm God's messenger with God's message. If there wasn't an amen and if there wasn't a nod of the head, amen, I would still be preaching his gospel. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's his truth and I feel his favor when I preach it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, help us today. Help us today. Help us today. Help us today to sell out to you. To understand our weak flesh and understand that you understand it and never run from you when there's a failure or a fault or a faltering, but to run to you. Because we have a high priest that's been where we are that understands us completely and welcomes us into his arms and will send us out of his presence renewed and refreshed and known that we are loved and forgiven. And we can go on and tell somebody else about this amazing grace. Can you say, man, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this service today? Praise God. If you didn't get anything else, everybody say, don't go to the fence. If you're angry and upset, stay away from the fence. Your flesh will head that way, want to take you over there. Don't go. I worked for Tampa Electric Line Crew for five years, bivocational. I remember one day, it was so hot, near 197, everybody was frustrated. Some of those linemen drank hard on the weekend, come in with a hangover and took it out on some of the rest of us. And I'm a new guy on a line crew operating an equipment truck. I'm an equipment operator. Guy up on the pole started cussing me because I sent him what I thought he needed and it wasn't what... He said, but I couldn't hear what he said because of two reasons. Number one, he had a speech impediment. Number two, I'm standing by a big old accident. Three things. Number two, I'm standing by a truck that's running to operate the bucket. And number three, he has filled his bottom lip with tobacco. (laughs) If you've got a speech impediment and your bottom lip is full of tobacco... And I'm standing by that truck, and here's what I heard. And back then, before I didn't use earplugs, stood by too many trucks, and now I'm a little hard of hearing every now and then. Sometimes I just don't want to listen, but most of the time I'm a little hard, hard of hearing. And, and so, so, so here's what I heard. Honestly, this is what I heard. I'm listening. I want to do a good job. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. And this big old burly guy up in that bucket said, Hey! I understood hey out of that. Lord, give me the interpretation. Because <laughs> if you don't... <laughs> I need the gift of interpretation of tongues because I do not know what the man just said to me. I want the Spirit is willing... But you know what happened when he ho- hollered it the second time? He opened his mouth wider. And all that juice that had gathered in his lip, the wind was blowing. And it came out in a, in a it went like this, it swirled down. 
and it wrapped around my hard hat. That brown tobacco juice wrapped around my hard hat. And then he began to cuss me. Now listen, I couldn't understand the other stuff, but I understood every cuss word that come out of his mouth. <laughs> Devil gave me the gift of interpretation for that. And I'm little, but I'm wiry. <laughs> I got so mad. I got so mad. I said, oh, Lord, I know he'll hurt me if he comes down here. But if I can hit him just one time before he does, <laughs> I'll consider it worth it. Let me get one lick in, just one to satisfy me. You can do a lot of things to me out on a job, and I'll, I'll be sub- submissive, but do not curse me. Do not do that. Now, here I am at the fence. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And I went around beside the truck because Jesus is my Lord. Not my flesh, but Jesus is my Lord. Not the devil. Jesus is my Lord. And I knew he didn't want the attitude that was rising up in me. Though I was justified in being angry. Be angry in what? He didn't say don't get angry. He said be angry in sin not. DeSalvo told me, and I'm not going to tell your story, but there was a time his flesh wanted to do something that he wouldn't be sitting here today because he'd be serving time in a prison somewhere. Aren't you glad that the flesh didn't win that day? Even though at the moment you felt like you were justified in every feeling, if you had followed through with what the flesh wanted to do, the devil would have baited you right on in. Oh, you'd have got satisfaction for the moment until you had to stand in a courtroom and explain why you did what you did. Oh, friend of mine, God loves you today. He understands your weaknesses today. He calls you to Himself today. I knew the Bible said, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and sin not. And I felt a sin coming on. And I knew I needed help. And I felt it strong. And I went over and came around beside the truck on the other side. And I said, Lord, help me with this anger I'm feeling right now. I, I, you see, sometimes you're feeling so good you think you'll never get into that mode. How many's ever found yourself in that mode? You didn't see it coming. You didn't invite it. But it just shows up under certain circumstances. It was showing up. And I said, Lord, give me grace. Give me mercy. Help me not to say a word. And I walked around behind the truck. And he was glaring at me. And I thought, oh, Lord, he's going to come down here. I'm not going to fence. Fence is coming to me. What do you, what do, you do now? <laughs> what do I do now? I'm not looking for a confrontation. But hope, hope, if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle. Victory, victory shall be mine. That's not a little ditty we sing on Sunday morning because this tongue can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not just to talk in tongues, but to hold your peace. Most Christians don't think of holding your peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Only speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But the Bible said while Jesus was in Pilate's hall, he opened as a lamb dumb before his shears. He opened not his mouth. And when he came down, he said, Hey! And he spit out his tobacco. So I thought, now he's really going to lay it on me. And he's a big guy. And he said, come here. And I walked over there. <laughs> Holding my tongue. <laughs> and he said, he said, Bob, it must be 100 degrees today. He said, you can see that I'm a big man. He said, you know we have to wear up on that line a denim shirt buttoned and a glove that insulates to 20,000 volts up to the elbow. And you know we required to wear the hard hat all day long. He said, I get so tired sometimes I wish I could retire. But I can't. I got bills to pay. He said, son, I know you're trying. And he said, I'm sorry. I'm just melting. (laughs) I said, I'm sorry too because I sure was mad at you. (laughs) No, I just said, I'm sorry too. I said, I'll try to hear better. He said, I understand. He said, he said, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. And I thought, don't take it personal. It's my flesh that's receiving the wound. Don't let it get down in your spirit and sour you and get there where the devil can do damage with it. Hallelujah. And he apologized. And my last day at Tampa Electric, he come around and he said, well, he said, I bet you did a lot of praying for us out on that crew. I said, yes, sir, I sure did. He said, well, he said, I want to ask you something. He said, would you continue to pray for us? I said, yes, sir, I certainly will. And I was so glad, Dale, that that day, I'm not saying I've never lost a battle, but on that day I didn't lose. See, the devil wanted my testimony. He wanted to kill it to where there was no more confidence in my witness for Christ. Hallelujah. And God wanted to establish His kingdom in me. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom. Do you see the kingdom coming now in us, not just in the future to the earth? Thy kingdom come. That's when Jesus becomes the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. And the day that we bow to Jesus, the devil loses the influence and the leverage and the power that he could have and would have had over us. Paul said, if you've forgiven anybody, we, autom- we don't even need to know why they deserve it. Anything about we deserve, we forgive also. Lest Satan should gain an advantage over us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Ah, what a day. What a day. What a day. 
What a wonderful day. Glory be to God. Did I hand it to you? Will you stand your feet today? We've been in here a long time, but we had a communion on top of everything else. We started late, and this is an important, vital message to victory. There's going to be no victory because you just speak in tongues or interpret messages. There's going to be no victory just because you have visions or dreams or God speaks to you or talks to you. But the day that the Lord Jesus Christ becomes the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the day of your victory and mine. Hallelujah. Sin doesn't reign because He does. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Not just because we're so strong and we're so adamant uh, against it. It's because we're bowing to another master. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.